Hello and welcome to Herbology. I'm Anne. And I'm Kevin. And on this episode, we are going to be discussing Forever Mine, Nevermind, which is season two, episode number nine. Written by Alexandra Zaroni, directed by Ron Murphy, and aired August 4th, 2017. It's, uh, it's been a minute, Kevin. We <laughs> haven't recorded in quite some time. Yeah, well, we had uh, uh, Acon Canada that we were both at, and then I had DragonCon, and you've had other family stuff. So yeah, it's been a few minutes. few minutes. It's like, it's amazing how there are times when it seemed like we would net like counting down to the cons, like time was moving so slow. And then all of a sudden it just seems like it moved so fast. And here we are with a whole bunch of conventions under our belt and con season's like pretty much over at this point for this year. Yeah. It was a big rush there, August and September for me, certainly prepping. And like you said, once it's over, it's kind of like the, you look around with the hands in the air, like, is that it? Is that it? <laughs> I I don't know when to get a haircut anymore because usually I count it down to the next convention. So, and I've spent like the last six plus weeks preparing for so many panels that I was going to either be on or moderate. I'm I like an evening comes and I'm like, oh, that's right. I don't have to prepare for anything. I can like, actually relax. Do you even know who you are if you don't have something like that to do? I don't because I love it so much. I mean, many <laughs> folks know that. So, yeah, I love the rush, HerbCon or DragonCon. But, yeah, it's a little bit of the – but this isn't as exciting as those times were during the summer. Exactly. I, I counted back to when the last time it was that I, I rewatched an episode to do a recording, and it's been about 50 days. And I think that's oh the goodness. longest I've gone Seven without weeks. Wow. watching an episode since, yeah. like, 2020. Yeah. I know that's, that's something I know we get into such a routine and then you get something to break it up and a couple of somethings and then it just seems weird. Yeah. And then I just wanted to keep watching and then I, I can't go forward because otherwise I get too confused. <laughs> Maybe I'll jump ahead, like all the way to season four or something for some rewatch instead of what we're, we're close to now. But um, yeah, you've been moderating all over the place and what was your total for this year? Like how many panels did you moderate? over all of the conventions you've gone to? Ooh, over all of them. Um, moderating, um, well, I think um, it was probably a, it was probably 12 or 13, um, with the majority of those being ones with, you know, celebrity panels, but I also did much with fan panels at DragonCon. So yeah, I think it was 12 or 13 by the time it was all said and done. Wow. Busy, busy, busy. Yeah, it, it is, but Goodness, I love doing it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a rush. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's we miss it. When we're like we stress out about it before we yes. get to it, and then as soon as it's done, it's like, ooh, I could do that again. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's the excitement, the buildup, and everything that goes with it. Yeah, it was my first year, and I, I closed out the year with with two panels and then uh, three live podcasts at at conventions. So that was a good time. Yep, yep. Now we got to look forward to twenty twenty three. Gotta look forward to 2023. Big things, I'm sure, will happen. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what are we going to talk about today? Do we have to? We're going to talk about some creepy dolls and all kinds oh, of other stuff creepy, on this one. Creepy dolls. <laughs> and uh, if you haven't, uh, what's our spoiler, Kevin? You've got that down so well. You do that. 
Yes, anything and everything from the series is fair game for discussion. So if you are new to the podcast, welcome. But do realize we may spoil you on anything up right up to the finale as our conversations go and look at everything in its context for the whole series. And it's been a minute. I'm a little rusty. So we'll, we'll see how this, this one goes. We may be all. <laughs> yeah, whoa. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've got this like great opening scene with, um, you know, a fight scene with uh, a sparring, very pregnant Winona and uh, Waverly this time are fighting, who's, you know, very not pregnant, but very fit. Um, and Waverly is looking amazing twirling those sticks and i think the scene is pretty iconic and i think there are even t-shirts made with waverly twirling those sticks <laughs> i don't doubt it i mean and as we know with what's going to come next episode she's pretty proficient with those absolutely yeah mm -hmm. it's a this is some good foreshadowing for, for what's about to happen in the next episode with the sticks right mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and they, they're egging each other on, um, you know, Winona's all mama came to play and Waverly says, well, I got a big stick in each hand. And of course, Winona replies, been there, done that, ended up with tennis elbow. <laughs> so, so yeah, right off the bat, we've got some, some good action happening and those two just giving each other hell. Um, and, uh, also worth noting in the behind the scenes is um, how I want to say it was probably Emily talked about how Dom learned this new skill, this whatever this stick twirling skill is called. Um, I think back in season one, they started to learn this skill, but it didn't come into play yet. Um, I think it's just a really good reminder of how much these actors do to bring these characters to life on screen for us. Yeah. Yeah. And it, again, the behind the scenes stuff and other interviews, having heard about that, that, you know, Dom was proficient at it and hoping for an opportunity, but it didn't really fit with the season one storyline. So, you know, when the time comes, totally ready. You know, it's one thing to like come to a show with like your list of things that you already know how to do, you know, like you sing, you dance, whatever, whatever your skills are, but to learn a whole new, like they learned fight moves and they like learning this like martially arts type of thing. Like that's a skill that Dom didn't have going into it and just learned how to do to make the show more believable. Yeah. Yeah. We used to often comment. I remember back when the season was airing. As the episodes were going on, you know, you talk in sports about uh, players who are, you know, a, a triple threat, a double threat, all the different things they can do. We were, we were calling Dom the Deca threat. I mean, there was <laughs> from singing to this and everything else this season. It's just like, wow. <laughs> it should have been like, Dom, can you ride a horse? He's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> right. <laughs> season five. <laughs> Dom on a horse. <laughs> I called it first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Note the date and time, folks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll all have to pitch in for horse money, but it's fine. <laughs> this opening scene also gave me some 409 vibes where Nicole and Winona were fighting, just like that smack talking fighting. But also this gave me, uh, reminded me of Constant Cravings 106, where Dolls is teaching Winona how to like find an opponent's weakness. And she's doing like the same flips and um, 
you know, some of the moves she was learning were like early on in her fight training with dolls. Um, and that's where she also like finally throws dolls down and says, make your peace. That's my new jam. Um, yeah. But so yeah. it's like you have that early beginnings of her fight training and now you're seeing how it's progressed to this. Um, so that's kind of fun to see. Yeah. And it's especially cool from the Orp sister point of view, because as you pointed out, it was Winona learning it from dolls. And now not the dolls isn't helping here, but it's now Winona for the most part, uh, if you will, teaching or sparring with Waverly. So I love that. I love that transition. Yeah. And, you know, Waverly wanted so badly to just be included in the beginning. And so, mm-hmm. so now we've got Waverly not only as research, but like now you have to learn to defend yourself because you're going to be in the field more too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Dals is he's training them, trying to get them to block out when an opponent is trying to get in their head. Winona's doing pregnant backflips and stuff, which we know it's wow. not really her, but <laughs> like in what? the show, you're like, oh my gosh, pregnant superhero just flipping around. Yeah. Big shout out to Andrea Ross, who I believe is Mel's stunt person. Um, I follow them on Instagram and it's just really fun to see what a badass they are at doing stunt work. Um, they're uh, Andrea uh, period M period Ross on Insta if you want to check them out, but it's a lot of fun. And uh, when Wynona's done doing a backflip, she high fives her, her baby belly, which I just think is so funny considering she never gets any high fives, but like at least she's guaranteed one from the baby, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was a great thing. You know, once, once, once she did that. And how, yeah. To, to whoever thought of that was, that was a good uh, yeah. add in. <laughs> Dull says to visualize someone you hate while you're fighting. And Winona says to Waverly, Nicole hot two days ago, which is like, whoa. Mm. Uh, but Waverly's like, what? I don't hate Nicole. We just had a fight. So it's good to hear that she's not at the hate level, even though you could have fooled me because she's pretty darn snarky to Nicole throughout this whole episode. <laughs> Yeah, but I think I think part of that, though, at least in my mind, was that was the sisterly side of where being the little sister, you know, you didn't want Winona to have like a one up by being able to use that. So I think that was, you know, Waverly just being a little bit of that. No, no big deal, sis. Without yeah. saying it and quite like, that I way. get to be mad. You don't get to be yeah. mad at her. I yeah. get to be mad at her. You can't know that. That's yeah. for me to decide. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Dolls hands Waverly the sticks and he's like, you know, you need to learn these because the widows are not playing to lose, which um, I guess before is like foreshadowing to what's going to happen at Nicole's. Um, but they're talking about how they've got to train for this inevitable battle that's going to come up with the widows. And uh, Waverly makes a funny sister wives comment saying she forgot that like there was a whole sister wives thing and she can't get over Constance being their sister, uh, sister wife and how their outfits were so fiercely non-polygamous <laughs> <laughs> of all the takeaways. She's like, their outfits just that's didn't scream point. polygamy to me. <laughs> yeah. That's where you're going to hang your hat. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Waverly mentions that they still need to find the third seal because um, she doesn't know about where the third seal is yet. And um, Adal's and Winona look at each other, give each other a look because obviously they know and it's Mm -hmm. secrets, secrets everywhere. So I'm sure this is all going to be fine. Everybody's keeping secrets from everybody at this point. (laughs) 
it's turned out really well in the past. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Wynona says that they need to put a pin in that. Um, and Waverly's like, we don't have time to put a pin in anything. And then, of course, Wynona makes it just the tip joke. <laughs> it wouldn't be Wynona Earp if you let that if one she go. she didn't yep, take advantage of anything she could get. Yeah, it was just lobbed up in the air for her. She had to hit that one. <laughs> and then Wynona is like kind of weird and she's asking dolls for the night off. And then she's also mentioning to Waverly that she needs the homestead to herself. It was just kind of like, okay, take the night off and okay, whatever. And we'll find out why later. And then we're in an antique shop that we've never been in before. And we have a man standing looking at this very creepy porcelain doll. And I did not know who that man was at the time when I watched the show for the first time. Ah. Tell the listeners who that man is, Kevin. That is Bo Smith. None other than the creator. The wine owner of comics. And uh, Bonnie Bridget and I were actually there the day he shot that. I was going to ask if that overlapped (laughs) with when you were there. Because I know when you were there, what scenes you saw. So I'm like. I know you were in Nicole's house, which comes next. So, <laughs> yeah, the cool part about that too is actually that um, location where they shot that that shop, if you will, is in kind of a, a an old western uh, location there on the on the set. And if you go across the you know the dirt path, um, is the saloon where they did the uh, uh, the Vision Quest stuff with wine owner and doc and Robert Swain. So it's literally across the street and actually Bo and I were standing in there talking for a few minutes, just before he went to shoot that talking, he was, you know, naturally a little nervous and all that stuff. And it was just great to actually be there when that was happening. You know, he's a very cool guy. He and his whole family were there on set as well. So it was just wonderful. He got to experience it with all of them. That is so cool. Yeah. And I don't like it, to have it happen where he was there while you were there. It's just like the icing on the cake. Oh, that was just, yeah. Next, next level stuff. Now that, that Western town, do you remember the footage at the end of season four? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That, the behind the scenes. The yeah. The behind stuff. the scenes stuff. Is yep. that, they were sitting like outside of Western town. Is that the same? I think it is. I'd have to relook at it though, to see if I remember exactly whereabouts it was, but I, it, the buildings look very, very familiar like that whole, because that's also the road with a horse. Um, you know, Winona says the tacos are tasty moment too. That's mm-hmm. that actual road between those two, okay. the shop and the Vision Quest, you know, saloon thing. So I think where they shot those is just on one of the other uh, storefronts, like right in that general area. Mm, okay. Yeah, that like that was just so cool. And again, like I didn't know the first time I watched it. So when I found out and went back and watched it, I was like, that is just so cool. To Isn't it? Yeah, pop it really her, was. A, a little cameo. <laughs> um, I just I love a well-placed cameo. And I love that when he leaves the scene, he comes face to face with Doc Holliday. And I think it's just <laughs> extra special that he had that small scene with Tim, seeing as how they're both huge comic nerds. And Mm -hmm. that they would also go on to write comics together. Like Mm -hmm. that they got that time together. Yeah. This this is the kind of stuff on our, you know, rewatch or the idea of uh, going back that you just appreciate so much more than in the original. Not that we didn't in the original, because, you know, 
least I had the experience of knowing it was Bo, but knowing, like you said, relationships and getting to work together and all the other things that go with that. This is just cool stuff. Yeah. And um, in the postmortem with Bridget, Emily, or Bridget asked Emily, or mentioned saying, it was so fun to see Winona Earp comic creator Bo, Bo Smith and his quick appearance in the beginning of this episode. How did that come about? Emily said, Bo was just visiting the set with his beautiful family and it came about organically. I said to our director, Ron Murphy, do you think you can find a way to get Bo into the scene? He said, of course, no problem. It was more serendipitous than planned. And I love the little minute of Doc and Bo sizing each other up. It was a Bo Smith Easter egg with Papa Herb. He was smart enough to not buy the doll. (laughs) (laughs) That's I, I love that Emily can can think of those little things and make those things happen yeah. for people. Yes, yes. Cool. I also want to point out that this antique shop sells booze, which I think is a great combination. <laughs> Isn't it? I don't see those kind of places around where I live. No, like <laughs> on its like face value, if I walked into an antique shop, wouldn't buy a creepy porcelain <laughs> doll. But if I have a couple drinks, it might be like, Oh, oh that cute. painting looks okay, though. <laughs> I think you could sell a lot more antiques this way. I'm just pitching it out there. Yeah, I think I've got a picture or two somewhere when we walk through that antique place set. The the actual um, painting, when, when Doc saw it, when it still looked okay, they actually had it on the wall when uh, Bonnie and I and Bridget were in there for a couple of minutes. So it, it was right there at the time before it eventually morphed into all those other uh, much right? creepier versions. Yeah. <laughs> I never saw any of those in person. I just saw the one that was like, that's not bad. Okay. Well, I get it. Those were in the auction. I didn't, I didn't notice. Oh, good question. I'll have to go yeah. back and look. That would have been yeah. a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting too, because like in this scene, the antique dealer is so interested in Doc's ring. And Doc's like, nope, not selling it, not interested. And then he pulls out this painting and he's like, what about this painting? And Doc's like, no, before he even really looks at it. And then he looks at it and it's oddly similar to the homestead, right? Like, yeah, yeah. you can see that it's kind of looks like the homestead. And then he's like, yeah, I'll take it. But none of this seems weird to him. Like, I just wonder, <laughs> like, if the painting, like, puts a spell on him to buy it or, like, Oh, I think it's totally like you said, though. It's because he recognized the homestead in it yeah. rather than just some painting that he was just blowing off because he only wanted the drink. But the coincidence of like, okay, this guy's really interested in my ring. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Maybe there have been other people who've made offers too. It, you know, oh, maybe. maybe that's something he just always declines. Maybe it was the whiskey. It was just really He was just there strong. for the drink. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the basement of shorties and rosita is checking dolls's vitals and he says he feels great he thinks this product is better than anything bbd's ever given to him and he would like six months worth of the serum but his insurance said no you can't have six months at a time <laughs> Bad okay joke. <laughs> took you a minute to catch we my can, joke yeah. <laughs> I can understand that's right. We cannot authorize yeah. any more than your no, limited No, his insurance amount. was like, you can have three months, but you can't have six. Tops. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but he's, so he's been going in every week and Rosita says, you know, no, the serum goes bad after eight days. So you can't have this much. Um, and she's making some notes in her recipe book. And she says that this is the winning formula. 
And then Dolls very awkwardly gives Rosita a gift card to Forever Eternity, (laughs) (laughs) a spa that she mistakes for a funeral home because of the name. Um, But it's a She wasn't the only one. I mean, I think all of us, first time we saw it, who would think that's the name for a spa? Yeah. Forever (laughs) Eternity, which is kind of redundant, too. Yes. Um. But yeah, and it's just, it's kind of a fun scene because they're both just very awkward and neither one of them are good at giving or receiving thank yous or gifts. So it's just like, he's basically like, just take the damn thing and just take it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, as you said, it's because of who each of them are that it's not their thing. Totally not their thing. Yeah. It's like, leave me a bottle of whiskey. It would have been fine, but yeah. you just made it weird <laughs> with this gift card. <laughs> But it's it's funny, too, because he's like, I don't know, just put Doc in a hot, like, just get him in some hot water or something like just, you know, just, yep. can you see him in a hot tub? He's like, yeah, actually, I can. <laughs> then um, then we're upstairs at Shorty's and Wynonna's at the bar and she's just chatting with Rosita and they're just making small talk. But they're having like a nice enough banter going on between them, which is nice to see um, forever short it's going to be (laughs) um and rosita's just asking her like how she's going to have the baby and if she's going to do it naturally which causes some very funny confusion for winona (laughs) (laughs) who's kind of just second guessing which area of the body a baby comes out of at this point (laughs) oh how unknowing winona is we get even more of it with the maraca thing coming up i just it is so precious (laughs) so funny it's like really really but it's like you can believe it and Rosita's like no dummy without drugs and then Winona's like what medieval misogynist lets a woman go drug free and she's like no I want all the drugs well interesting personal side note and another reason why I chuckle so much at that um when my wife um was having our second child um and we have to do the classes as parents one of the early things that comes up is make sure you talk about, you know, drugs and, and how much the, the mother wants or the, do they want to do it natural, whatever. And my wife is always much like why no one was like, listen, I want everything they'll give me. I take all of it. No questions. Don't screw that up, Kevin. That's your job. Make sure they give me everything they can. And then when it came time to have the baby, the baby came so fast in the delivery room, the doctor said to me, it's happening so fast, we can't give her the drugs. And I said, oh. I am not telling her that. You're telling her that. <laughs> she will literally kill me if I'm the one who says that. Right. You're like, I tried. I swear to God. I am not taking responsibility. And it just, hearing Winona say it that way was like, whoa, there's a flashback for me personally. <laughs> uh, and then Rosita offers to mix Winona up a cocktail that were, will make her feel like she's being hand-fed chocolates <laughs> by Chris Evans. And, like, it's funny, but now that I know, right? I was looking uh-huh. at the scene, and I'm like, knowing what we know now, first I'm asking, when did Rosita get the offer from the Clantons to steal the baby? Like, did she already have the offer at this point in time? That is one hell of a good question. We don't know, but this is like what I'm asking myself now. Mm -hmm. Second question, was this a ploy for her to drug Winona to make stealing the baby easier? Like, was this just a like, a Mm. like not even real offer? Was this a like, ha ha, I could make you a 
something or was this a like could this have been something and that's a heck of a good question i mean we're never going to have the answer but this is where well we're at a con someday if we ask emily I see, I never remember all these questions, Kevin. <laughs> Somebody remind me this. Yes, later this is on. why we're throwing it out in the universe, folks. 2023 cons. When we send up. you the emails that say, if you have a question, yes. remind me in that Google form of my own question. That's right. Remind me. Bring, um, I, need, I need one of those time hop things that brings us back shortly before a con. Yeah, it's like all the things I ever said just pop back up. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I was like, oh shit, Rosita, were you already like plotting, which, which would be hard to believe. Cause like, they seem so friendly. Right. So yeah, the trail point, later yeah. is like, we really don't know until later in the app, she's even a revenant. So we get yeah. no, no reason to think anything nefarious is going on. Right. Which makes all this friendliness like so hard because that betrayal later on is just so unexpected. A killer. Yeah. Doc enters the scene and he has a cut on his face and Winona makes a quip that, you know, you don't need to keep using a straight razor anymore. Like, you know, new technology. dude. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it disposable. Uh, Rosita says that he tripped on something at the salt flats, which then gets Winona's attention. And she's like, what were you doing there? Doc mentions that he's having dinner at Winona's and Rosita sounds a little miffed and he kind of gives her the brush off with his goodbye. And he's like, you can see Rosita's face that she feels a little bit like she's second mm -hmm. fiddle. And I feel really bad for her at that point. Um, but yeah, the show does such a good job of making you love all the characters in their own way. Absolutely. Back at BBD, we've got Jeremy, Waverly, and Dolls watching cricket, which I still don't get. That's just kind of funny. <laughs> and Jeremy is just trying to impress Dolls with this cricket knowledge. <laughs> And Waverly's just like so hungry. She's like licking the bottom of a bowl of popcorn or something. I don't know. <laughs> and she lets it slip that Winona has a big dinner with Doc tonight. Um, and the way she lets that slip is when she realizes that there's like not even any food in the office kitchen because Winona has raided the place to use those things for her dinner with Doc. Uh, and by raided, I don't, I'm not so sure <laughs> it was anything worthwhile. Once we eventually see the concoction she puts together. But it makes a little bit more sense. Like <laughs> might be something you'd find in an office. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Dolls asks um, where Nicole is because she's usually off by now. And then there's a knock at the door. And with quite an attitude, Waverly says, oh, speak of the devil. And Nicole announces that a body has been found. And Waverly oh, so passively aggressively says, oh, are you sure it wasn't someone else's body that you stole and hid because you thought you had the right to make that utterly not your decision? Jeremy's just like, why, what? Why would Nicole steal a body? Uh, sometimes Jeremy is so clueless and sometimes he's so clued in. I don't, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. But like Waverly is just, oh, she has something else in this episode. The interesting thing, too, and we're going to see more of it in, in the episode when Rosita and her have conversations and everything else. It's it, it's it's like in, in Nicole's presence, she has this need to get her point across again and again and again. But when she's talking to someone else about Nicole, this isn't a big deal. Right. But with Nicole, it is. So it's just interesting watching her and their relationship as it's been developing. So. 
Yeah, it's it's very. She's she's got a real bite to her when she's talking to Nicole. Yeah, mm-hmm. Nicole thinks that this is an everyone like all hands on deck type of case. Mm-hmm. So at the site of the crime, we see that there's a body there, and Nicole asks if you know anyone recognizes this like medical alert jewelry that they see, and uh, turns out this person was allergic to penicillin. And Snarky Waverly says, who I love. I love Snarky Waverly. I think she is a hoot. Uh, yeah, I'm 99% sure that's not what killed him. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <up>. Captain Obvious. <laughs> She's just such a pill. Uh, so pissy. Um, I, kinda, I just kind of love seeing how the nicest girl in purgatory can just go from that to so snarky and like Mm -hmm. back and forth how she does in this episode. Yes. And they read the name of this medical alert bracelet on this body and it comes back saying it's Tucker Gardner. So that takes us to, I don't know, the morgue and Beth has shown up and uh, she tries to touch the body and Jeremy immediately stops her. And Beth is like, he did this to himself, which like buddy lit himself on fire that doesn't make any sense and she goes on to say like he's always had this darkness and she starts talking about how he burned their childhood cat which unfortunately was named blaze which is sad but totally funny at the same time i can just see them in the writing room like what do we name this cat like blaze good one put it we down use it yes yeah. clearly tucker has always been a psycho and uh, should have had some help for his problems very early on. Dahl says, um, you know, can you think of anyone who would have wanted to hurt him? And she's like, can you think of anyone who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah, exact opposite. Yeah. Um, and Beth would like his personal effects because, of course, she's still looking for the third seal. And, you know, she's going to need some things of his. Dolls tries to ask Beth about some other like women that Tucker was associating himself with, meaning like the widows. And then Beth does this fake fainting thing to just get out of getting questioned, which was pretty effective. And then when Beth comes to, who is the first person she sees but angelic looking Waverly Earp? Of course. Just so kind to her, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just a complete flip from when she's snarky with Nicole just minutes ago. And of course, Nicole walks in just as Beth is like kind of pushing away some hair from Waverly's face and saying, oh, you're just so lovely. And you can see all kinds of feelings on Nicole's face, can't you? You you could cook an egg on her head. She is so mad. <laughs> <laughs> she's like jealous she's fuming. and angry and yeah, all the things. Beth gives this fake apology for Tucker's behavior. And Waverly does that thing that we so often do where we say it's fine as a way of like acknowledging someone's apology. And I love here how it's written that Nicole's like, no, no, it's not because it's not. But that's, you know, that's like, it's a natural response where we're always like, it's fine, but it's not fine. (laughs) I love Mm -hmm. that she calls her out on it. Beth goes on to say like, you know, well, Nicole, you should understand why Tucker was drawn to Waverly and how love takes on all these different forms and what's deviant to some is normal to others. And, oh, I don't know how she didn't just throttle Beth right then and there. You know, as though Nicole loving 
women is comparable to Tucker being a predator. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you guys, Tucker and Nicole are totally the same person. <laughs> and Nicole's not letting this go. And um, Waverly's like, you know, Nicole, just stop, like ease up. And she's Nicole's clearly just not happy. And you know, Waverly is just completely un, like being understanding to the psycho and his sister, but not affording Nicole like the same forgiveness. And just it seems like a lot. Then they have another fight because Nicole really lets it out once Beth leaves the room. And she's like, you know, she really had some audacity to try to rationalize his behaviors. And Waverly's like, listen, he's dead on a slab and sometimes lying is a kindness. And then Nicole says that she tried to do that, but look where they are now. Yeah. And Just, it's, ouch. <laughs> yeah. It's very painful, very painful. And, and she goes on to remind her too, like when he's kidnapped that, that girl Poppy, like he wanted that to be you. And that mm -hmm. could have very easily been you. And then Waverly cuts her off and says, you know what I would never do? Tell you what to think or feel. And then she storms out. Yep. Do not piss off Waverly Earp. No. I mean, we'll see that several times going through this show. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how to piss off Waverly Earp, especially later on. That's not good. We don't like to see that with the way hat. Then we are at the homestead. And Winona's wearing this adorable apron, which is just so not Winona, right? She's very domesticated. And uh, she and Doc unwrap this gorgeous painting that he got her. And it's drastically different from it was when we saw it in the store. Yes. And he's like, oh, it seems more appealing in the store. And she's like, ow. What? Yeah. Like, what is that? And that is not what I bought. <laughs> Where are we going to hang this? And uh, then a timer goes off, and it's the meal that she has made that she calls meal. shitty. I'm going to put air quotes around that. <laughs> I might have made this in college a couple times when I came home really drunk. I would have a challenge. I can't cook anything, and even I thought that didn't look very good. So, <laughs> uh, uh, You don't have the recipe for shitty day go away? <laughs> It's mac and cheese and hot dogs. What did, Kevin. what did she say at one point? The the ketchup glaze was missing or something? I don't oh, know. Oh yeah, it's way better with like the ketchup glaze. Yeah. Like <laughs> Delicious. Uh, and she starts feeding him like the mac and cheese right out of the pot, and she's just like yum yum yum. Like the faces <laughs> she's making as she's like feeding this to him is just oh. and his face is just perfect. Like mm, this is good stuff. <laughs> So clearly she's not a good cook and we'll find that out again later in the chili cook off for freedom. <laughs> <laughs> we should have saw that coming. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they, they sit down together and he starts telling her about the salt, salt flats and how Constance has been decapitated. And she's like, well, if you killed her, like, how'd you do that? And he reminds her that, no, you know, the mutually assured destruction. So he couldn't have done it. Somebody else got to her. And then this is where he picks up the maraca. <laughs> <laughs> Love that uh, scene so much. I know. It is just so, oh, it is so Winona. It's just like, and without, like, he just picks it up and then <laughs> shakes it. And she's like, Silly Waverly, who buys one maraca? Don't they usually come as a set? 
Oh. And like, as a joke, it's so simple. It's so stupid. And yet it's just so funny. Like, I think sometimes the simplest jokes. Yeah. Winona is so serious about the one maraca thing. Right. And then then the follow-up about, oh, it'll have hands. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's the a realization, rattle. much like having the baby. Yeah, <laughs> where is like, it coming out? <laughs> so many epiphanies for her in this episode, isn't but, it? Isn't yeah. it quite the yes, yes? Where was she in like human growth and development <laughs> class in school? I'm sure she was cutting it, I'm sure she was out back smoking or drinking or something. When will I that ever it? need these things? Right? <laughs> yeah. That ain't gonna happen to me. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that that's just hilarious. Um. And Doc's like, well, I thought the reason you brought me here tonight was to talk about the baby. And she's like, no, no, we'll get to that, you know, but soon. And uh, he's like, you know, we're running out of time. Like you were attacked, nearly killed the other day. Um, We should really talk about this now. And Wynonna goes on to tell him that, no, I was attacked because, you know, the demonic things are drawn to the same thing that we're looking for. The third seal and you have it. Mm hmm. Oh, but yeah, so much, so much happening there. Just, oh, I love, so funny. Um, well, the thing too, just to kind of go on a related tangent, um, we've heard so many times and we all as workers agree. Um, and, and cause Emily's mentioned so many times with a show like this, with, with limited budgets, you can put any two characters together in a scene, just talking and it's just enthralling. And this episode has it in spades. I mean, the Doc and Winona exchanges about the meal, the stuff that we're going to have with the Rosita and Waverly, um, you know, the dolls and uh, Rosita. Jeremy. I mean, yeah. and Jeremy, I mean, all of it. It's it is this to me, this episode or a good part of it is very much like that um, example, especially from Emily. And, and you hear about it in a lot of shows that have limited budgets sometimes. And they have to do those bottle episodes where they really don't go anywhere. And some of those episodes for a lot of shows don't work well because all it is is characters talking and people get bored. Right. Or, or as Emily talks about, they have favorites. And if their favorite isn't in the scene, they don't. it doesn't hold the interest. But this show, in this episode especially, has got several of those. But for me, it's edge of the seat stuff. I mean, whether we're laughing about maracas or realizing the total reveal of the third seal or, or who Rosita is going to be. I mean, this is the stuff that just shows in a great microcosm to me, the entire show and, and why it succeeds for so many of us. Well, and this episode has a lot of scene changes and there, there it's a lot of short scenes, but there's, there's a lot of information packed in those short, like three, four minute scenes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, like you just said that comedy, but th- and then, the, you know, the the other dramatic details as well. But I think it we heard it it, it con season with all of Emily's, um, you know, seminars that she did. Really what it boils down to at the end of the day with this show. And the reason that I miss this show so much is because of the characters. Like I'm watching other television and I'm like, what is it missing? And it's missing that I don't love these characters. Like they're fine, but I don't miss them. I don't want to see, like, I want to see more, but I don't like feel like I need to see more. And with these characters, it's like, I think about them. What are they doing? Where, you know, it's like, you just, you're so drawn to these characters. It's just so good. Right there with you. 
Waverly is at Shorty's and, you know, we have sad Waverly now, which nobody likes that either. <laughs> um, you know, she's got her head on the bar. She's staring at her drink, but she's not drinking it because she said she never drinks alone. It's too sad and depressing. Mm. And Rosita said, that's why we add the cherry. <laughs> of I, was like, I was like, why? Because you're not alone because the cherry is your friend or because it makes it less depressing. I couldn't figure out which. I think the whole point is you do you and give it whatever definition you want, <laughs> as long as it makes you feel better about drinking alone. Right. Like, what do you need? An umbrella? Great. Uh, so now they're both drinking and apparently Waverly's been buying all day because she left her credit, the card there after the baby shower. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. Oops. Can't wait to see that bell. And, uh, Waverly asks her, you know, like how bad was my tantrum the other night when I walked out and Rosita classifies it as more than classic, less than epic, but I don't know. I disagree, Rosita. I think it was pretty epic pretty tragic uh, but it's a, that's a great description in and of itself waverly says uh you know it, it feels bad it's pretty bad we've had a few rounds of fights and uh you know to make it worse i can't go home and then she makes it awkward by talking about how doc and winona are there together and uh, then she realizes what she says and she says her good old oh fudge nuggets <laughs> and i love it too because it's just like that history of how far waverly has come with her curse words from her fudge nugget beginnings to the multiple fu's at the end <laughs> <laughs> it's the growth that's what we love yep. waverly asks rosita if she's a fairy godmother which is very funny considering what she really is <laughs> And then um, Waverly says, terribleness is coming, but I would do anything to get out of here for one night. And like, gosh, just let that sink in. Like, there's constantly something happening to this Earp family, isn't there? Yeah, but you know what's funny, too, than this hit me is hearing her say that now on the umpteenth time watching this episode. If you're going to go where I think you're going. <laughs> go ahead. Take us. No, there. no. Go it. Do it. <laughs> just can't help but think about Nicole being the angel shield and staying forever in purgatory. Absolutely. It's like, that's why they're perfect together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the <laughs> other thing that hit me with this one was Emily said in her showrunners workshop at Akon, how that originally the powers that be, I don't remember which higher up, didn't want the homestead to be a protected area. And Emily was dead set on it being a safe place for them that at the end of the day they needed a place that was safe from danger where they could breathe and just come back together and like decompress and i guess i never stopped to think about how important that was mm -hmm. and i just took that for granted in my viewing of the show but look at all those homestead scenes how over time how many of them we got and how grounding they were for the characters and how right. different the show would be if they didn't have that safe space. Yeah. Cause and it's part of it is for the characters to be able to be comfortable. But I also think as, as Emily pointed out for us as viewers, when we see them there, we can all also for the most part, take a bit of a deep breath and not be concerned for them. Right. We, we can just let them be them. Um, not that there haven't been, you know, the military commandos and black badge and, you know, there have been 
very serious things happen there, but it's so rare. So you're right. It, it works on two levels. It, it fits into the context of the story, but also the viewing audience and how we can feel when our, we don't have to feel like every time the characters are sitting there, we've got to look around the corner and hope there isn't a demon or revenant that's going to be coming from. Right. Yeah. And how, t- how many touching moments we've had because of that, like, take a breather kind of moment. Mm-hmm. It's like when you played tag as a kid and you had that one spot that was like home base where nobody could tag you if you were like in that spot. That's what the homestead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so Rosita's like bippity boppity boo. We'll see what happens next. And um, meanwhile, the homestead, this painting is just going it's, berserk. It's going bad fast. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> It's like out of a uh, night gallery slash Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, I, it makes me wonder, like, what was in the mac and cheese? Like, they're <laughs> just tripping out now. Uh, and we're all along for the ride. <laughs> yeah, they'll often say, like, as you drink more, you know, you start to, your your interpretation of things will change. Well, we're not drinking, but that painting sure is changing pretty fast. Yeah, exactly. It's getting darker. The doll's <laughs> getting bigger. Yeah, um, dinner has gotten worse it's been plated and now it's not only the mac and cheese with hot dogs but there's like some steak and some twizzlers <laughs> <laughs> all your food groups are now represented it so looks like a meal i would have made when i was single that's all i'm gonna say right <laughs> and i would have uh, been proud of myself just like winona was <laughs> Like, is the licorice the vegetable? Is that the fruit? What? Where is that? <laughs> That's where you get to have dessert as part of the meal. Yeah. Dolphins. For the win. For the win. Uh, and, and Doc is asking, you know, what what's this seal? And um, just as she says, it's your ring around the 15 minute and 51 second mark. I don't know if. You've all noticed this before, but the cabinet door opens. That was closed before. Little touches in the background. So creepy. (laughs) Like all all that we're missing is like a little creaking sound, like as it opens or something. Yeah, I think it's like almost creepier that it doesn't, because you're like, wait a minute, did that just happen? Yeah, it doesn't even signal to them. We see it as the audience. Exactly. Wynona says, you know, I need this ring. And he's like, Trust, you can have anything else in the world, um, but not that. And she's like, no, I want to break it. I need to break the third seal. He's like, are you crazy? Cludie will rise. You know, he's responsible for the whole curse. And she's like, yep, and then I'm going to kill him. No big deal. And he thinks she's absolutely insane. And in the meantime, behind him, this painting is now missing. The, The doll's no longer even in the painting. Yeah, there's a lot going on with that doll. But let's talk about Doc's ring. So right in the pilot episode, we see the ring for the first time, right? His hand yeah. is on the well. Come before above, we even yeah. know, before we even see him, we see the ring. How insane is it that this element would end up being such a huge part of the show? This little ring in front of us the whole time. Oh, hey, that's where we go back to to the Vision Quest episode and, and having our mind blown and all of the different plot style stuff opened, including this room. So, yeah. You know? and, it, and I really, one other thing I really love about this, aside from the, the meal or lack thereof, um, is Winona choosing or trying to get Doc to agree to choose to be the proactive 
force in this battle with Cluny. Rather than waiting for him or the widows to break that seal, like, screw it, we're going to do it ourselves on our terms. Right. That's what I love about the idea. So once discovering that it was the seal and her trying to convince Stark, which might have gone a lot better if it wasn't for the cre- impact of the creepy painting and everything else, when the two of them are saying everything that they think, no filter. Um, just I, I don't want to lose sight of how great I thought it was that they were proactively going to try to do it themselves. If it only would have worked that way, but look at it. <laughs> <laughs> at, uh, at Forever Eternity, Rosita's idea was to take Waverly to a spa with her gift card from Dolls. And now we have them both in a hot tub. Waverly's very nervous. She's just having a really hard time relaxing because of everything that's going on. And she's feeling guilty about like, what if something happens and I'm not there to help them? And Rosita's just like, chill out. You know, look, keep calm and drink champagne. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe that's not on more t-shirts. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, she's encouraging Waverly to have to do some self-care, as it were. And um, Waverly starts to loosen up a little bit, joking about how the towels are really great. And Rosita's like, yeah, I know. I already shoved some in my bag. <laughs> bag. And it's just like so nice to see them like, you know, laughing and enjoying themselves. But uh, we get the impression that somebody's watching them, who originally I thought was Nicole. Did you really think that? Yeah. Uh-huh. I had yeah, no idea. I didn't give it much thought who it was, but uh, my mind hadn't gone there. Yeah, I thought it was Nicole, and I was like, oh, this isn't going to be good, which it wasn't good, but I didn't think it was going to be not good because of what it wasn't good. But And then at the homestead, Winona's, you know, just spilling the whole beans about the vision quest and the seal and the story behind it. And he's like, listen, it keeps me immortal. And she corrects him saying, no, it, it gives you agelessness. And isn't that getting boring? And he accuses her of being glib with his life. And she's like, no, I just want to make my life and my family's safer. And he's like, you know, I saw what it took to destroy the second seal. And I don't really think you have what's necessary to do the job, the the devilry, he says. And so this is just really interesting because like he's like he doesn't have any faith in her in this scene which is just kind of sad because usually they've got each other's backs in these kinds of things. But the and thing I always wonder though, is, is that because of the spell of the painting that the two of them are just going to the worst case scenario in every discussion point? Oh, I think for sure. Yeah. I think like the painting was, however that magic worked was like determined to keep them at odds. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like a, t- it's totally a worst case scenario discussion. And let's face it, the hurtful stuff comes out on both sides. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, why, even why it couldn't destroy Cludie, what are you going to do? And she's like, well, we'll figure it out and we'll end the curse, which, which is still true to Winona, right? Well, mm-hmm. there's always a way kind of thing. And he says that he may have betrayed Wyatt, but he vowed to spend the rest of his life protecting the herbs. And she's like, when did you make this sacred vow? And he says, the moment I laid eyes on you. So it's like, you know, this whole scene is like, they've got these hurtful things. And even later on, they say like, I still think I would have said the same things. I think, you know, just the vitriol that was behind it wouldn't have been the same without the painting. But um, so they're, they're having some really sweet exchanges in here, even though they're not seeing eye to eye on the situation. 
Well, yeah, and they're very much having a very honest conversation, which goes from sweet to cruel because that's the trueness of their relationship too. Right. I mean, I think it's one one of the only times we actually see them like sitting down and having like this heart to heart where they're not like, you know, either slapping the other one or kicking the other one out of the house kind of situation. He's like, you know, I can't protect you if, if I'm dead. Um, and you know, she's like, if I really thought it would kill you, I wouldn't ask for it. And he's like, what if, you know, you break the seal and I start to die. And then she says, you're only going to age as much as the rest of us. And then she comes to the conclusion like oh you don't want that do you like she starts to think mm. you think you're better than us you don't want to be like us and then uh they hear a noise and uh he goes on to say don't you think i would have done anything to get out of that well and that's when she says she knows he didn't because she was there yeah so yeah that whole like you can't keep rewriting history kind of thing because she's she saw it so she knows the deal which is kind of a big slap in the face. Big time. She says he was selfish then and he's selfish now. And um, he wants to leave, but he remembers that she drove him there. And <laughs> he's like, give me your keys, but she can't find them. So that's all all weird. And we find that out later. Um, and at the, the Gardner mansion, Beth has the evidence, like some rings of Tucker's and personal effects. And she's doing her her map thing. And that special effect where the rings stack on top of each other, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I forget it's about a nice some way. of those. Yeah. Special yeah. effects. Mm-hmm. Um, at Shorty's, Jeremy's re examining one of the broken seals, and he's just all Jeremy and excited. <laughs> <laughs> he tries to do, I don't know, some old timey gumshoe impersonations. <laughs> Calls Dolls Daddy. <laughs> Dolls is like, whoa, whoa, you took it way too far. Yeah. <laughs> you can kind of see Jeremy's face when he realizes, like, oh, that oh, too much. Took it too, too much. <laughs> yeah. And um, he asks if, you know, do you think the widows killed Tucker? And Dolls is like, yeah, I think so. I'm starting to think so. And Dolls opens up Rosita's journal and starts looking at it. And Jeremy's like, you know, it's private. You probably shouldn't really read. A scientist's uh, journal and dolls asks if jeremy can replicate this and he's like yeah but i'm not going to steal her work and this is when doll says rosita isn't what you think she is and um it's hinting at this for all of us but jeremy makes a good point and he says neither were you yeah no like i say jeremy sometimes has the best intuition on things mm-hmm and as they're going upstairs, Jeremy cuts his hand on something and it turns out it's a fingernail from one of the widows. They make this connection that uh, one of them had a bandage on the tip of her fingernail. So they they feel like they finally found widow number one. And then at the homestead, Doc is still trying to leave. He's trying to get past Winona, but she keeps like blocking him, even going so far as to belly bump him. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, your condition, watch out. And he says he was destined to have the ring. And she's like, no, you you made a bad deal. And it got even badder. And then we learn one of the saddest things about Doc. And it, it's see. even sadder now seeing it and knowing it in the context of everything. I know. It's, it's just like never get, it gets worse every time I watch it. <laughs> uh, that Constance chose that particular form of torture for him. 
because when he was 14 years old, his mom was sick with tuberculosis. It was contagious. So they kept him from her and he crawled into the space beneath the house under her room at night. And he lay there night after night listening to her. And he says she cried and begged and prayed, but she died anyway. And he never could uh, stand tight quarters again. And then when we see that other episode where he's like buried alive. Yes, 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 yes. Ugh, I like can barely breathe watching that episode. Mm-hmm. And um, and then Wynonna asks, asks her name. What's her name, Kevin? Alice. Oh, uh-huh. Damn it, Alice. So many exclamation points after Alice in my notes. I know. <laughs> I mean, oh. and just like this tender moment where he's like sharing this personal thing with her, yes. like what, why this was so horrible for him. And that element, like for them to write that as his history is just wow. Um And just to think about all that time in the well and how he brings that up later like much later in season four. Um, but then for her to like, just say like, what's, what was her name? Yeah. Such a, and it's such a caring way and just yeah. a very caring way. It's very sweet. Mm. And then um, of course we can't let the sweetness last too long because they hear a noise and doc tells her to stay there. It's like, I'm pregnant, not helpless. Just don't shoot any of my decorative, decorative pillows. pillows. <laughs> And don't share this conversation. <laughs> or you die, right? Which is great callback because earlier Waverly had made the comment about her nesting. And she's like, yeah. we don't have room for any more decorative more pillows. pillows. <laughs> Those Which, are the beautiful, subtle lines that you sometimes miss your first couple of times watching right, the episode. Right. And I'm thinking, how many pillows do they have now? Because Waverly <laughs> bought those pillows when she scissored the stripper. And the girls came over. She had bought those decorative pillows. Yes. And now I notice this house is just swimming in decorative pillows at this point. <laughs> uh, didn't see those in the auction, though. But whatever. I'm just going to bring up the auction from now until forever eternal. Forever, yes. Forever eternal, I will bring up the, the auction. The girls are back at the spa, and they're getting pretty chummy in that hot tub. Uh Waverly is very impressed by Rosita's three PhDs, which are technically just two engineering and biology, because astrology was just an online certificate. And Waverly says, Oh, your family must really be proud. And Rosita says, You know, well, they're gone now, but it's okay. That was a long time ago. And then Waverly's phone is pinging because she's receiving text messages from Nicole, repeated text messages. Um, <laughs> That I had Nedley's office blow up for me so I could read them. I'm like, Jill, can you read what those messages say? They know, I know Jill can get things really big on the computer. And uh, so it looks like it's just the same text over and over again. And it says, Waverly, I'm sorry with an exclamation point. Can we please talk? Mm-hmm. Which is so sad. And um, Rosita's like, will you just just answer her already? Waverly's like, no, that's exactly what she wants me to do. It's so controlling. And she tells Rosita that, like, you know, the stuff in the papers was basically stuff saying that my whole life was a lie, that everyone around me is a liar, which is interesting. because She's really only taking this out on Nicole. She's not taking it out on anybody else who could have possibly lied to her at this point. And 
Rosita tells her, you know, like, it's, I think it's great that you're showing a little bit of backbone. And then Waverly says, fine, and then starts replying to Nicole saying, dear control freak, I will talk to you when I want to talk to you. Until then, have a nice life hurting the people that you love. love. And she sends it. And Rosita's like, that was too much backbone. (laughs) (laughs) But immediately she regrets it, right? Instantly. Yeah. As she should. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And, uh... She's like, oh, my God. You know, she even says Nicole was right to hide those papers. I never should have looked at them. And I messed up. We had everything so perfect. And that is where Rosita talks her perfect talk. And she says that perfect is overrated. If everything was perfect, then champagne wouldn't have bubbles. No defect, no bubbles, no magic. Yeah. And then for whatever reason, I don't know if it's the bubbles or the champagne or the heat of the hot tub or the sexy science talk, they kiss. And they both instantly regret it. And yes. Turns a <laughs> fandom on its Upside head. Upside <laughs> down. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, they immediately regret it. They both are like, you know, I'm with Nicole. I'm with Doc. Doc. You know, it was just, it was a bad thing. Rosita leaves the hot tub and Waverly follows after her a bit later. And as she's walking into a room, apologizing to Rosita, we see Rosita on the floor with a very undead Tucker hovering over her body. And it's done, done. Yeah. Missing. <laughs> I did not see that coming. And it turns out he killed somebody who picked him up for hitchhiking and he's now there to what he says is save save Waverly from from his sisters yeah and um, meanwhile at the the Gardner mansion dolls is checking the house over while Jeremy is in the car loading a gun cartridge just being all Jeremy he's nervous he can't stop talking finally dolls has had enough and he pulls out his earpiece as he goes into like the storm cellar entrance in the meantime at the spa Tucker covers Rosita's body. So like we are assuming she's dead and he says she's in a better place and that she was trying to corrupt Waverly. Um, And it's just all very creepy and Tuckery at the homestead. Doc has checked upstairs. He hasn't seen, you know, where this noise was coming from. Winona didn't see anything downstairs, but she says she did find peacemaker in the pocket of Doc's coat. And she accuses him of hiding it thinking like, did you think I was going to kill you for the ring? Um, and he's like, well, you know, I've read the hormone books. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, what? Because I'm the size of a giant cheeseburger with a baby cheeseburger inside of me. I love that analogy. That analogy is so good. It's even funnier because she has like a cheeseburger t-shirt she wears in the series too. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of funny. And they're both just bickering. And she's like, you know, the ring is part of the curse. So really it's. I should be able to choose what's going to happen to it. And he's like, come and get it. And as the camera pans behind him, a giant life-size porcelain doll. Or no, it's not giant yet. Right now, it's just like on a shelf behind him, which is scary enough. It's going to get scarier. It's going to get worse. Who knew it could be so creepy? Like, we've had some creepy things in this show, but this doll is really pushing me over the edge. Um, At the spa, Tucker's going on about how 
Oh, Tucker Tucker. Being a gardener was <laughs> Tucker Tucker Tucker. I know. <laughs> and his sisters were always telling him what to do, but then they were supportive all of a sudden and he felt like he could be himself. And um he's just saying that he and Waverly are so alike, which is just he's doing that creepy thing where you like try to get them on your same page with you. Waverly's like, Well, your sisters thought you were dead. They're gonna be so happy that you're alive. And um this is where we find out for sure that the widows are not his sisters and we see the basement of the mansion as dolls discovers them and that one of them is still crawling around without a face kind of alive and (laughs) Waverly's just sort of saying the things to him that she thinks he needs to hear to just like keep him from like killing her at this point I think she says you know she should probably call her family so that Winona won't won't worry about her and just tell her that, you know, she's going to go out of town for a bit. And meanwhile, Dolls is in the dark um, with widow Mercedes at the mansion. And the camera work is pretty cool in that scene. Just like this weird perspective of like dolls in the dark, like searching around and at the homestead, Winona and doc are still arguing and she pulls peacemaker on him, which I don't know. She does this a lot in this show, doesn't she? And uh, she's like, you know, just give me the goddamn ring. Peacemaker doesn't glow. Behind her is the giant porcelain doll at this point. Super creepy. So creepy. (laughs) So glad that wasn't in the auction. (laughs) Uh, Waverly leaves Wynonna a voicemail, which I always wonder why it wasn't more coded. Like, she just says things are a little bit tense with Nicole and I'm going to skip town for a little while and do, a, do some soul searching. I love you, Winona. But I feel like she could have said like tacos are tasty or something and Winona would have known for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it, it's it, and I remember having some conversations about this uh, online at some point because, yeah, there wasn't anything coded. But then again, you would think that Winona knows her sister well enough that she would just tell from this message. She's not going to do soul searching. She's not going to cut town. That doesn't happen. Cause even earlier in the episode, Waverly said she never leaves town. So I was going to say, yeah, you know, I guess there's, there's more subtle stuff there rather than the code. Yeah. She's like, she's not a runner. Yeah. Right. And she yells at Winona for being one. So mm-hmm. I guess that that would be enough information. Um, Waverly tries to convince Tucker to let her go to her Jeep for some clothes. And he's like, I can just buy you, you know, whatever you want, maybe some more modest clothing. And then he gets hit in the head with a bottle by Rosita. Rosita the Revenant. Yeah. Who Waverly, we're all shocked to see. And she says, you know, funny thing about being a Revenant, it's hard to get dead. And then her eyes glow. Did not see that. (sighs) And so many things make more sense now. <laughs> yep, exactly. Why she needs protection. How All the dolls PhDs, her. plenty yeah. of time to study. Yeah. That Why she sense. always seemed a little uptight around Winona. Uh-huh. More than just the whole doc thing. Yep. Yeah, so much. And uh, at the Gardner Mansion, Mercedes is going on about her husband and blah, blah, blah. And Dolls is waiting for her with his eyes all lizardy. Then she like is going to go out like they're going to go after. She's going to go after him. But it, it was his reflection in a mirror. So he like tricked her. And then just when Dolls thinks he has Mercedes right where he wants her, um, 
she's going to venom spray him. But then Jeremy comes out of nowhere and like takes the venom instead of dolls. <laughs> this is when he's like talking with something over his mouth. And he's like, look, the vapor guard worked. And he pulls <laughs> it off of his mouth like it's like rubber or something. But then apparently it didn't work because then he falls to the ground. So maybe only partially worked. Poor Jeremy. <laughs> Needs some more refining. And at the homestead, Winona says, you know, give me the ring. He says, fine. I always knew you would be the death of me. And he goes to throw it at her. But he tosses it like straight into the hand of the creepy doll who catches it. And then they turn around and finally see it. And Doc shoots at it several times. Nothing happens, which proves what Winona was saying this whole time that like, you know, I got the magic gun. I'm going to do to the deed, <laughs> not you. And um, she turns around and she's like, sorry, we already have a dolls <laughs> and uh, shoots. And the ring goes bouncing and rolling across the homestead floor, which is another really cool um, visual. Yeah. yeah. And Doc's like, okay, you were right. You know, these demonic forces are drawn to the seal and they're both just really apologizing for being a little too harsh, harsh. And they kind of realize it's, you know, probably the doll that made them do it. And um, Wynonna says that this is something bigger than them. And Doc says, demon Cludy. And she's like, our baby. Which finally gets to Doc. And he realizes like, okay, this is serious. And she says she won't break the seal without a plan or without him by her side. And then he gets down on one knee, picks <laughs> up the ring in a very proposal like motion <laughs> <laughs> like what is happening and asks uh her if she swears and he hands her the ring and she even says i do which is very wedded like right but also i love that the way when she says it the camera cuts to him on the knee with her you know what i'm saying i mean they make it look and sound so much like, like a proposal oh absolutely I just love the way they make that dialogue work and the, and the shot to, to make it all come together. Mm -hmm. And then the, thank God the painting bursts into flames. <laughs> <laughs> you kept the receipt, right? <laughs> uh, and uh, in the woods, Tucker's looking for Waverly, but instead he finds Beth and he's like, you know, Waverly is my angel. Just interesting that he says that. Ding, 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 ding. Angel <laughs> count. Yep. And um, she's like, she's too special for you, which I thought was interesting, too. Like, did she mm -hmm. know stuff? What's going on? And then Beth kills him, which I kind of forgot that she was the one who finally killed him. So thank you, Beth. Like, you mm -hmm. did you did what you needed to do. Like, you served purpose. You might have been a bad person on the show, but you did us all a favor. We get it. Uh, Mercedes has Constance's head and a map and she's complaining about how her craft is fading and um, Beth abandoning her and she wants to see where the third seal is. She does the ring and map thing and another cool special effect happens. And um, at Shorty's Rosita and Waverly are together like just rehashing the day's events and Waverly thanks her for saving her life. And she says, uh, you're a revenant. Okay, great. Uh, it's hard to believe because you're such an awesome person. And Rosita asks her if she's going to give her a head start before she tells Winona about her. 
Waverly says, no, I'm not going to do that unless, you know, otherwise I might have to tell her about myself because I think I'm half revenant. So here she like actually says this out loud, uh, out loud. And she says she hasn't told anyone, not even Nicole. And she's like, oh shit, I texted Nicole, didn't I? And um, she's probably going to need some space. And Rosita's like, no, you need to go to her. <laughs> like, don't, don't give her space. And she says that she gave a guy space and then she took up with his best friend while he had the space. And that guy was on Wyatt's shit list. So now we know how she got to be a rev. She said it was the worst second date ever. <laughs> <laughs> Can't argue with that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> kind of really bad. And then she asks if she thinks Nicole is up yet. And Rosita says, Miss Pleat in her pants is probably doing a sun salutation as we speak, but she will open the door for you no matter what time. And like Rosita doesn't get enough credit for this. Like, yes, they kissed. Yes, she's going to steal the baby later on. Um, but the whole time she's like been trying to get her to like make up with Nicole this whole time. She was always pushing for Waverly to make things right with her. So, And then we get a knock at Nicole's door. And when she opens it, we fully expect it to be Waverly. But it's hey. not. Oh, big misdirect. Well done. Yeah. And that then that's a cliffhanger with Widow Mercedes standing there at Nicole's door. Dun, dun, dun. Another one. I don't know how your heart has taken it all these years, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> well, then that, that door scene was the very first thing we saw when we were on set that morning. They shot that before they shot what's going to lead into the next episode. So that was quite a uh, interesting thing to start the day off with. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a huge surprise for you when it came out because you knew what was going to happen next. Yeah, but you also got to remember at this point, we had no idea who Mercedes was or how important this was. We just saw, oh, look at that weird looking woman on the porch. Because, yeah, we were, you know, we hadn't seen any of season two yet. We were just like, oh, this is cool. This is Nicole's house. But who's that? (laughs) So when you were on set, you had only seen up to... Season, season one. one. Yeah. You, there was no season two out yet? No. Nope. No. No. Nope. Wow. And then how long after you were there for it to go to air? Um, I think we were there in late March and it premiered in mid-June. A couple of months. Okay. Two, three months. So plenty of time to forget things and be like, <laughs> yeah. they were all out of place anyway. So Yes. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Widow Mercedes. Oh. And I love in the postmortem, Bridget's like, um, okay, but does this mean we get to see inside of Nicole's house next week? <laughs> and Emily's like, yes, because that's the takeaway here, Bridge. We get to see Nicole's house, and it's really a house tour. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, because folks were so interested in that concept. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nicole, then, where's Nicole live? We got to see where Nicole lives. I'm like, yeah, okay, we're going to show go? you. But you don't want to see why we show it to you because <laughs> he just about dies there. <laughs> yeah. And then Bridget says, so it's just like house hunters? And Emily says, yes, just like house hunters. And Mercedes is like, oh, this is nice. This is nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we get to see Nicole's house, but lots of crazy stuff 
is happening within the house. I think you should be worried about Nicole's house as in <laughs> herself, her body, her spiritual house, if you will. <laughs> Very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, another thing I took away from the postmortem was the scene where um, widow Mercedes is doing her ring thing. And she's kind of complaining about like, she's losing some of her craft. Um, I guess I didn't realize that she was starting to be weakened because she got shot in the shoulder from peacemaker. And that's why she's been like rotting and actively rejecting Mercedes's face. Like I never really made that connection before because again, I don't, I didn't read the postmortems when I was watching the first time. Right. See, and that's that's one of those things where same uh, same way I know for me, I won't speak for other people, but weren't aware of that until we read it here and kind of went, oh, oh, that explains why, you know, she's been looking worse and worse. Yeah. Like I just was like, what is going on with her face all yeah. this time? Like, yeah. what is that blue cheese dressing? Like, What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, this is what it, that was the dawning like, oh, OK, right. OK, now I get it. Yeah. And that explains like she's more frustrated because like her craft is like her, you know, powers are weakening. She's, you mm -hmm. know, actively dying perhaps. Um, but yeah, it's like, I wish I would have known about the postmortems when I was devouring the show, like show. Imagine how unstoppable I would have been, Kevin. <laughs> That would have been dangerous. <laughs> Maybe it's a good, like they say everything happens for a reason. That's right. It's it. it yes, I think so. <laughs> oh, did you have any takeaways from the behind the scenes or the postmortems at all? Well, it was really cool that for this one, there were two behind the scenes one, because they also did a, a second one, mainly about all the new characters this season. Mm -hmm. um, and that was just kind of cool to get to kind of um, learn a little more about them. Um, this was great because we, this is where we find out. And so did Tamara that, you know, the Rosita character was written specifically for her after she had auditioned to be Winona. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned earlier um, the awesome showrunner event that Emily did at Akon and learning a little more, seeing some of those, uh, you know, uh, videos when folks were doing the different uh, uh, auditions and, and her sharing those with us was just really kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. Like seeing those tapes and just like seeing how everyone just fit into their spot so well, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's like, yeah, you were totally like, so you could see like, like, oh, I would have watched that person as them, but it wouldn't have been the same, you know, like just, mm -hmm. I remember, I, I don't know if I, even, no, we haven't recorded since, have we recorded since Akon? No, no. Nope. Um, but like seeing Nicole audition for uh, not Nicole, seeing Kat audition for <laughs> Nicole, uh, I had goosebumps. Kat, like I had chills. Like it was like, yeah, you're totally like you were meant to be Nicole hot. Like just mm -hmm. fit the part so well. Yep. Yep. I mean that, and that's the, the, the showrunner workshop thing that she did at Emily did at Akon. Again, I think I don't want to speak for you, but I think you will agree that that was just such a special thing. As a fan, if you get an opportunity to go to that at another con or if she ever does it online, it is such an amazing insight into the show. You 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 will love it. Yeah, hopefully she does more. And uh, you know, like I was saying, she could 
she could do this with every episode. <laughs> yeah. And I would, it's, it was like watching, you know, when you used to watch DVDs and you'd have like the director's cut and they would do the commentary and just give you all those, you know, those little tidbits that you didn't know about that. Yeah. But great, yeah. great stuff. But yeah, just the idea that, you know, each of these characters who they auditioned for, I, I also thought it was really interesting um, talking about Jeremy um, and how his character basically was replacing what Waverly did in season one for us as viewers, you know, the entry point, the, the everyone character that we use as a viewer to kind of see the show, especially when it's a genre show mm -hmm. and how doing that then allowed Waverly to do much more in the show. She didn't have to kind of be the, I don't want to say slow learner, but she was the one who slowly picked up on things like we would as the audience. And right. by bringing in Jeremy, that now meant that they could write the Waverly character much deeper and with more stuff going on. And Jeremy kind of became that entry point. I, I just, you know, from a structure point of view, I found that fascinating to realize that. Not that we didn't see it as viewers, but now we see it differently, or at least I do when you go back and watch as well, Jeremy comes in. Them having the foresight to plan for the evolution of these other characters. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. Mm -hmm. The um, also hearing Danny kind talk about playing these parts and how for her playing these parts was so unique and amazing. And this is behind the scenes from what, five years ago, maybe longer. And how she's talking about just how unique these characters were and how lucky she felt to play them and how every day was like, she would come in and be like, now you're going to do this. And she never knew what to expect. Um, but then having the um, being fortunate enough this year to see Danny and, and hear her talk on panels about um, some of these same things and to hear how she speaks about it just as passionately today as she did six years, five, six years ago on these behind the scene videos. Just that it's, it all just seems so very special to all of them. And that hasn't changed for her. Like she's been in so many other things, like all the success and working moms and other shows. And she's like, doing this was just like some of the coolest stuff I've ever done. Yeah. And this is a great example too. And you've, if you've listened to some of her interviews, be it on any of the podcasts or, or cons or whatever, you know, we as viewers tend to think that the actors know what's coming for them, you know, their character arcs and everything. And Danny, this was the perfect example of, as she, she said multiple times, I, until I got the next script, I had no idea. Oh, I'm, you know, I have no face. Oh, look, I'm a demon. Oh, look, I'm wearing this crazy dress and these crazy um, things with my fingers and my face is rotting. And uh, now I'm this and that. And she said it was all just such a gift. Emily just, you know, any given morning when new script pages came out, look, this is what you're going to do. So as an actor, she just got to do so many different things. Right. Um, and it was just a joy to have it all just play out in front of her. Well, and how fortunate that she, like, she has that, they chose her for that role. And she's the kind of person who can do that. Like, yes. I'm the kind of person who, when I wake up, I like to know exactly, like, mostly what's going to happen with my day. Mm -hmm. If I showed up at work and all of a sudden it was like completely unexpected stuff 
I'm not going to just roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that person. <laughs> but Danny Kind apparently is. So it worked out well that that's who was chosen for that yeah. crazy role. It's just amazing to think that this all just, and, and this is another example for the writers and Emily, especially with the pregnancy this season of coming up with ideas of how to use these characters that were probably differently than initially planned out and it worked better. And, and as Emily has said many, many times, um, once you work with a certain actor, you then realize what they're good at and you write to those strengths and it, you're able to use more of their skills. And that evolution, whether it's Danny or certainly Dom and everybody else, it's just, it's just so wonderful. It's like that flower opening. You just see so much more as time goes on and you appreciate it more too. Yeah. And again, like just hearing all the different hats that Emily has to wear as a showrunner. Mm -hmm. Um is far more than I had ever imagined. And I just, ugh, I will never say enough about this woman. I have no, no you, idea. The more you it. learn, the more you appreciate it because yeah. it's just amazing all that goes into, into it and what she had to do and how she made it all work. And we all just loved it as it happened. It's, it's just amazing stuff. Another uh, fun tidbit I took was hearing Tim talk about how, um, he really tried to to cling to Varun when Varun first came on to set, um, how their friendship kind of blossomed and how he just really was like reliving his own first year of being on the show mm. through Varun. Um, <laughs> you know, just like he got to see, you know, him at his, his first conventions and there's like, you know, doing all these first time things b being on this type of show. And, um, you know, to this day, Tim loves that kind of stuff and hearing him talk about um, at conventions this year about how he was so excited to be at a convention with Martina for the first time. And mm. he was just excited for her to like get her first piece of uh, of fan art and just watching her like do her first panel and all these things. It was just it was really fun to see how. You know, his excitement then is like now the same thing that he was watching with like Martina this year. Yeah. And that was really special for me at uh, Urpa Palooza to get to moderate the panel that she was on, her first one she ever did. Um, but she was such a natural and just totally fell into it and, and everything. But Tim being there too, you could see <laughs> him enjoying the excitement of getting to see it through her eyes as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, great stuff. Yeah. And I mean, furthermore about Tim, like things I've learned about Tim just in this past year, like he like showed up, he drove to Urpapalooza. He like rented a car oh, yeah. because his flights were canceled. So he he drove all the way to Columbus, Ohio, just so he could get there on time. And then in um, in Toronto, he was shooting and couldn't be there on Friday. He took a bike from the set he was working on and rode a bike to the, to the hotel. So he would get to the convention center on Friday, like toward the end of the day, just to pop in and say hi to everyone. Not just pop in and say hi. Cause I saw him shortly after he got there, but actually then do an autograph session for a while on Friday night unplanned just because he was there and there were people who wanted to do it and he went and did it 
Yeah, he just strolled in and was yeah. like talking to people, <laughs> hugging people. Like, hey, we're like, what are you doing here? None of us yeah. expected you to be here. And he's like, you're oh. not on the schedule till tomorrow. And he's yeah. just there hanging out out in the area, talking to everybody. And then suddenly I hear them announcing that, hey, if you want a Tim Otto, he's going to be at a at his table for a couple hours. And the guy, I don't even think he went to his room yet. I mean, I swear he just got off the bike <laughs> and sat down to do autos. Exactly. It's just amazing. Yeah. Super cool. But yeah, I mean, that's not only with Tim, but just, uh, you know, can't say enough good things and like just having the experience this whole year of, you know, it, it, it seems like it took forever for all those experiences to, to happen with, with all the COVID delays and stuff, but yeah looking back it's like wow what what a ride that that convention season was because it's just getting to meet so many unique people and so many people from the show having such rich experiences with all of them just seeing how amazing they are as individuals in real life was i'll never forget it no no it's that's why I say over and over and over, each ERPCon is just so special. Each one's unique and everyone's an opportunity to see other amazing ERPers and get a little more insight into each cast member and how amazing they all are too. It's just every single time, it just re-cements how special the whole experience is. Absolutely. Especially getting to hang out with you. My gosh. <laughs> it was great, wasn't it? Oh. And to see each other at a con together this year, finally. Uh, to finally meet. Like, I mean, so I mean, I, we could do a whole podcast just about like all the crazy things that have happened this past few years. But it's like, yeah, you couldn't have told me. I, I wouldn't have believed you uh, all the things that would happen in the next two years if someone would have told me that in 2020. Nope. That's why every day is a gift that way. And you just <laughs> appreciate it because it doesn't come planned. Nope. It doesn't. Uh, but you and I get to do this again next time. And in the meantime, um, if anyone wants to reach out to us, they can do that by visiting us at herpologypodcast.com. You can leave us a voicemail or you can email us directly to herpologypodcast at gmail.com. And you can always find us on Twitter at herpology underscore pod. Yeah, we love all that feedback. Folks who are kind enough to live tweet as they listen and offer insights on things. It makes for such a rich experience, too. And as uh, regular listeners probably noticed, uh, my, my audio might sound a little different because I'm in an alternate location for the next few weeks recording. So don't blame me, Anne, if this doesn't sound quite the same way as it usually does. That's all on my end. <laughs> He's a jet setter. I got to nail him down when I can. <laughs> It can only be off for so long before. That's right. Like 50 days. I've got to watch when I'm on Earth, and I'm going to need to use this podcast as an excuse. So. <laughs> yeah, we got a fun one coming next. Sure do. Well, as Emily says, the next three are. Whew. Yeah, quite the ride. Doozies. So, all right. Until next time. Bye. Take care, all. <laughs>